This is Ron Thurston, and we are live in Boston with Ladian Cordoso. Welcome to Retail in America. Thank you for listening today. This podcast is part of the Retail in America tour and an Airstream trailer, my year-long journey to discover the incredible retail heroes all across the country and celebrate our retail culture, community, and careers. Every episode is recorded in person, like a conversation around the campfire, telling stories, sharing what inspires us, why we love what we do, and always with a sense of retail pride. Today we are in Boston and ready to meet another great retail field leader. But before we get started, I wanna thank the three important title sponsors fueling the Retail in America tour and this podcast. Spotify Advertising. Spotify is the number one podcast platform in the US with over 380 million monthly active users around the globe, over half of which are supported on the ad platform. Spotify Advertising will help you reach and target your audience across devices, locations, and formats. Ubic, over 300 companies in 80 countries trust Ubic to drive their retail performance at scale, get real-time visibility into multi-location business execution, digitized task management, and consistent digital mobile learning for their teams. And KWI, KWI is the industry's only true turnkey omni-channel platform for specialty retailers. With over 35 years of experience, let KWI help you execute flawlessly with the features that matter most, including endless aisle, clienteling, mobile checkout, inventory management, e-commerce, and more. The links to learn more about all three of these great brands will be in the show notes. And with that, let's get started. I have another exceptional retail hero here with me today in Boston. Lady and Cardoso is a multi-store general manager for Zadig and Voltaire and very passionate about talent development and client relationship management. She's originally from Cape Verde, which is a small country on the west coast of Africa. And when you hear her journey after arriving in the U.S., you will be very inspired as I have been. She moved to the U.S. just eight years ago for college and started her American journey in a small town in Rhode Island. And she was originally studying social service, but she changed her major to business management and fashion merchandising at Fisher College after her first retail job, which was only six years ago as a part-time sales associate at Banana Republic right here in Boston on Newberry Street. She says that although her retail career was accidental, it unfolded perfectly and she can't imagine doing anything else. A couple of fun facts about Ladian. She's been speaking English for only eight years. Although she grew up on an island and spent most of her days at the beach, she's terrified of the ocean. And she doesn't see things for what they are, but rather what they can be. And with that, Ladian, welcome to Retail in America. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here, Ron. My pleasure. So we were introduced through Megan Houle, uh, and I met Megan Houle, who's a local uh, here executive recruiter, coach, and really kind of a power in Boston, powerhouse. And when I mentioned to Megan, I would love to have someone representing Boston on the Retail in America podcast, she said, you need to meet Lady. 
So you were the first one that she mentioned and was excited to share your story. So welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Megan, for making this happen. <laughs> I met Megan not so long ago, but her energy, it's amazing. She's someone that I want in my corner forever. And, and you will. <laughs> because that's what great recruiters do. They stay in your corner for your entire career, <laughs> yes. So in the spirit of retail in America, let's talk about Boston. So what's unique about the Boston retail scene here in the community? I also describe the Boston retail community as small but mighty. We are so small and we're growing really fast. So we have to catch up. But since I opened the store in Boston, it was really inspiring to see how all the leaders come all together to support you. Everyone came in, introduced themselves if you need anything. They share best practice in the city. So although they kind of stick with each other, they're very opening and, you know, they're here. They look at me oh, as a young leader. Let me put all my knowledge in her, which is something I really, really, really appreciate. Yeah. But we evolving. We are like getting so big. There's brands now in the city that I never thought it would be here. Um, small doors becoming flagships. Mm -hmm. Me personally, my stores are competing. My KPIs are competing with like big doors and like I often say I'm sitting with a big voice. <laughs> <laughs> and that feels great. It feels really good. Yeah. I'm very excited to see what the future holds for us here mm -hmm. in Boston. And Incredible. I want to be part of it. All of it. All of it. All, <laughs> all of it. it. And you said your experience in the U.S. has been almost exclusively Boston. Yeah. It's a unique point of view, not having a sense of comparison to yeah. other cities. But since I'm so curious, I'm always digging in into other people's uh, business, like the Aventura Mall, which is a really good business for my company right now. I'm always like, what is working for you? How can I put that into this? And always like compete with the big boys. Like, let's see, let's yeah. get there. Um, I can say the level of clientele that we serve here is really elevated. And we should be compared to stores like Madison because we yeah. are delivering the same... Um, I think the volume might not be the same due mm -hmm. to like, you know, foot traffic and that. But I think we're the KPIs are very, very competitive with the markets out there. Excellent. So let's talk about you. So tell us just your journey over the course of these last six years. So you get this part time job at Banana Republic. You actually said you had worked in um, fast food prior. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as when you first moved here and then part time job at Banana Republic. And here you are today in a very short amount of time. Really, it's like happened so fast. I still like trying to catch up with myself. Uh, so when I first moved uh, to Rhode Island, I was learning English and my family was Cavorian. So we speak Creole at home and I was like, I need to speak to other people. So I started working at Dunkin Donuts, which I had so much fun. <laughs> like, uh, So I stayed there for two years talking to people, love people. So it was perfect job for me to put the English out there. And as soon as my English got good enough, I was like, I want to be in fashion. I want to do, I always have a passion for pretty things. And my friend at the moment was living in Boston and she was working for Banana Republic. And she was like, I can get you an interview. And I'm like, okay. I got there. It was a beautiful store, four floors. It was massive. And I met with the GM, was the most intense interview I ever had. And we picked some outfits and he was like, sell it to me. And I'm like, oh, this is easy do that every day so then by the end of the interview he was like okay so you start monday and that was the beginning of something that i never imagined would be this big for me now mm -hmm. and my time in banana republic was incredible i spent five years with the company four and a half yeah i did even my college internship with them i changed my major with them i moved stores i closed stores and then 
when I reached a point and my boss was like, what's next for you? It was the clientele service that mm. I, I was missing at Banana Republic. So he transferred me to Intermix, which was owned by Gap Inc. at the moment. Yeah. And uh, that was my first exposure to like a more elevated client-centric. Mm-hmm. And then Intermix, unfortunately, was a shore. It closed due to real estate issues, um, contract. And I was at Chestnut Hill at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I loved Chestnut Hill. It was more like calm. It wasn't fast-paced. You get to really connect with people. And Bloomingdale's was like in the corner, and I interviewed there, got a job as an assistant to a personal shopper. And we connected right at the moment. She is amazing. She had a multi-million dollar book. She's been in the business for over 40 years. So she's someone that I was like, I have so much to learn from. So I stayed with her for two years, and that was, when I say massive, it was like so fulfilling. I was dealing with really, really luxe clients. We were going to 59th Street, pick up Chanel gowns, pick up Oscar de la Renta. We had appointments that were like worth so much. And to see her create and maintain a client book for 40 years, that's almost her whole life. And she taught me everything I know now about client service and how you connect with people and how you're intentional with your connections which is something that I take everywhere I go. Mm. All my clients, similar to her, are my friends. Um, And I think it's the most fulfilling part of my journey was that time where I really got exposed to something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It's such an example of you have to do the work. You can't read it in a book. So you observe this woman who had built this multi-million dollar business. My experience with sales teams like that is they're often multi-generational even yes and so as other members of their family grow and change that you will almost become part of their family yes every special occasion every travel event that they have so it sounds like this woman was really an inspiration for you it is still is we still keep in touch she is she's retired now but she's amazing totally and to your point like she celebrated her clients milestones every special case she was there and I was there with her uh, (laughs) as her assistant and I had the time of my life working for her so when we got back from the quarantine uh, my friend was like you know you should really try Zadig and Voltaire because I had exposure to them during my time at Bloomingdale's and I really loved the brand Mm -hmm. she was like they're hiring and she was my long friend and she was like I'm moving to New York she was the GM at the time. And she was like, let me get you in contact with my boss. So I met uh, the director of stores, which is Amanda now that I report directly to her. And it was an instant connection. It was, I remember meeting her on a Wednesday. On a Thursday, I had a call with the VP. And by Thursday, 6 p.m., I got the job. I gave my two weeks notice and I started right away. And um, my time with Zadik has been amazing and fulfilling in so many ways from a small volume store in a conception shop in Bloomingdale's now I run the whole market which is unheard of mm-hmm. and I never thought I would be here having a conversation about my career with you <laughs> <laughs> but so, it's such a proud moment so you know, proud. when you think about retail pride at its core is celebrating your strengths yeah. And what you have brought to the table. Listening to your story, particularly the Bloomingdale's piece, you really learned how to connect. Yes. And you learned how to build relationships. Mm-hmm. And now you're using that, I'm imagining, in a multi-store role. Yes. Every day. That's every what you're day. doing. 
I think the first connection that it's, I mean, it's my priority, it's my team. I have really strong connections with those individuals. And it's something I think you mentioned on your book in the beginning, your grandpa was really good at. Mm -hmm. When I read that, I was like, yeah, I'm really good at that. (laughs) That's my superpower. And create a sense of like loyalty. And they are so proud of me. And they do when I'm off. I call, they can't wait for me to call the store to check on them so they can tell me everything that happened. Wow. And that's very fulfilling. But that's like the most important connection, I think, now that translates into the connections I have with my clients and they have with their clients. Mm-hmm. Happy people work <laughs> better. They do. And you also then don't have the challenge of hiring opportunities or, you know, all this kind of constant evolution because they're dedicated to you. You would be surprised. Uh, I do have that, but in the opposite way. Like, it's a very positive way. I dedicate my time. I develop these individuals. Mm. Then last month, I had this conversation with my key holder. She was like, you know, I overdone Boston. The only thing that has me here, it's you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's, you know, rephrase that. Let me help you get to where you need to be, which is she moved now to New York. And she's a recruiter. Mm. So even though... They leave. They leave for really good reasons. And I'm very proud to see them go as a stronger individuals than when I first got them. Mm-hmm. And if I have, you know, the power to keep them forever, I would. But I learned in a very young stage of my retail life, good leaders have to learn to say goodbye. So I'm not afraid of that. That's great. Yeah. I, and you're right. There are many stories of kind of that lack of investment from the leader because they know it's temporary. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's like, but let me give them as much as I can while I have them because you see that potential. Yeah. You see something great, which sounds like this young woman had that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud of the team I have created. They're super talented individuals. They're so kind. And, you know, they're very lucky. Whoever gets them after me are very lucky. Mm, Very, very lucky. That's amazing. What other sources of inspiration drive you every day? I think the leaders I had in the past, what I do for my team, someone done it for me before, and if not in a bigger scale, um, people like you and Megan that, you know, dedicated your career to serve others. And now you're doing it in a bigger scale and helping us, the ground workers, or getting a voice. And like, I feel super motivated. Yesterday, after I listened to the podcast, I was super motivated. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm going to do after retail. But thanks to you and Megan, I have something to think about now. You may not ever not be in retail. I never did anything else and loved every minute of it. And because the opportunities and the industry is so enormous that the opportunities are right there for you to have. Maybe when I say retail, I say stores. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't know what would I do if I'm not in the store. But no, to your point, I I would never leave this industry (laughs) by choice. (laughs) Are there other parts of kind of where you grew up and how does that play into your leadership style? I think because Caverians, I don't know if you met any, but we are so warm and welcoming and we always at service of others. You go to Caverian and you're forced to eat every house that you go and people are always trying to help you. I think that goes with, you know, if you're older, you're here to help the younger and it's a generational thing. So I think that's what I look at as a leader. I'm like, I'm here to help my team develop and grow. That's my mission. Mm -hmm. And of course, produce the KPIs. I often say my team is my investment and my KPIs is my return investment. Mm -hmm. And it's like really simple. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think that's how people treat each other where I'm from. That's 
something I carry throughout my career. Yeah. Kindness. I could see that. Kindness. Yes. Yeah. Generosity. Yes. Sure. Uh, I often, on interviews, they were like, what is your non-negotiable? I'm like, kindness. We are kind to each other and we're kind to others. And it's pretty simple. If I get the energy is not all the way there kind, I'm like, this is not a good fit. Especially because I treat my team. We're very small and we all together. So if, you know, the energy is not right, it can't really mm-hmm. spread. For sure. But yeah. And the customer knows that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oftentimes you go into stores and you're like, okay, it's tense. The customer can feel that. And no. never no. happened in my store. No. no. <laughs> we, no. Just, we try our best. Yes. And similar, you've worked for a time in Bloomingdale's, which can feel also really overwhelming to the customer. Yes. So it's how do you create intimacy in a really large space? Maybe it's through personal shopping, but not, not everyone has that opportunity. No, so I, I think it's interesting when you think about your career from really large square footage to small, like the small Intermix store, your smaller, you know, Zadig stores today. Yeah, but uh, even at Bloomingdale's, for employees itself, it can be overwhelming because I was an assistant and I had to build relationships with every single person in the building in order for us to push product through. So, and that's what I tell my associates now, you're on the floor where you see 100 people every day. What are you doing to connect with at least 50 of them? 50%, it's like a, a standard. Um, and it's through kindness. And through, you know, the open-ended question, I know that's something we say a lot in retail, but it's not like, what are you looking for today? No, it's like, how's your day been? Mm-hmm. How, you know, it's just the hill, we see the same people over and over again. How's your dog doing? How's your daughter enjoying college? How was, you know, your trip to Paris? How was your summer in the Cape? Those, I think, it's how you build long-lasting and the client that always thinking of you when it goes to Chestnut Hill, and they don't go to the pad. They'll go to Zadigan Voltaire and find the lovely lady that asks her about her day. It's like the impression you make in people. Yeah. And it's not always about the conversion. No. It's about the relationship. It's definitely about the relationship. I think the conversion, it's a KPI that's, in my opinion, is a little outdated because <laughs> I'm a new store. And the mall, people are curious. Not necessarily, they don't have the purchasing power, but I'm sharing the experience. I'm giving them the Zadig experience. And that is, that would go, they would tell their friends, they'll tell their friends. And that's how you build brand awareness. Mm-hmm. It so. is. And the conversion is an output potentially of some of that. Yeah. But the conversion of the sale may happen a year from now. Exactly. Could be a long time relationship. Yeah. The way I look at conversion, that's it. You, I'm meeting you today. We don't know where it's a year from now. That can be a $2,000 sale at the moment. Yeah. It could be uh, a building $10,000 throughout my time with you through right. a simple conversation about yeah. the store, about who I am and what I do. Yeah. What are you most proud of? The connections that I made and I keep creating every day. The people that I met in the past, they're like my biggest inspiration. And people that I keep meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and you always will. Yeah. That's the best part about this industry. It is. And that's what it's, excites me about retail. And the customer. You're learning from them. Yeah. So it isn't exactly. always just your team. Oh, it's no. everyone around everyone you. Everyone around you. That's from the beginning of our conversation. said I'm always on the floor. Because it's not only my team. It's like who my team is serving. The client that comes in. That's where I'm learning. Mm-hmm. We all learning together. Have you thought now with your, in your multi-store role, you think about the bigger retail industry at scale? 
Are there particular parts of retail that you feel like have great success or great opportunities? What is your team's perception of the industry? I think the industry now is getting, um, we're thinking more about the people, the connection. I think COVID taught us that, like, you really need. It's not about the product anymore. It's about the experience. So I think that's a big opportunity for retail globally. It's just like how we're tapping into our client's life and how we are staying there rather than the product itself Um, and the investment in people. I think that's definitely an opportunity. How we're investing in people, how we're developing the people that are reporting to us and how we're creating their career Mm -hmm. and what part are we playing into their lives. Are there particular tools that you use to assist you in that development? Is it just conversations? Like, tell us more about how you're doing that. Oh, absolutely. It's like um, I have touch bases with my associates biweekly. And during this touch base, we're not only going to talk about their KPIs. Because when I first hire them, we roadmap their career. You tell me what you want. I tell you what I can help you and what I need from you. And while revisit every time, every time I talk to them, I revisit and hold themselves accountable. It's like I put a hand, you put yours, and together we'll go. And then I do store meetings, like a market store meetings, where I, again, it's not about all the business, but like personal development. I go through teams like the growth and fixed mindset. Lately, I did the four agreements of life. You know, those are the little things that we can tap into retail because we're dealing with people. Mm-hmm. It's a people business. Mm-hmm. So we should develop the people. So I'm always reading. I'm always trying to find new ways to develop my team personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Do you find them to be really proud of what they're doing? Yes. Just in the spirit of retail pride, what's your team's perception of the industry? They have their moments. I think we all had those moments mm-hmm. where like, are we working for something greater than this or I'm just a retail person? So I think it comes down to me to reinforce how much of a good job they're doing and let them see what maybe they're not seeing. Hey, you service mm-hmm. people, but not only that, you're creating relationships. They're thinking of you. You're, you sold this 14-year-old her first uh, mid-luxury bag. Yeah. You know, you're creating memories. And I think for them to have a sense of they're working for something bigger it comes to the leader, to put that sense of confidence in them. That's actually what worked for me. Mm-hmm. And it's part of my to-do list every day to say something about a good job, reinforce something they're doing. You're doing a good job. You're a rock star. Those type of things. I think it's important for them to feel like I'm working for something bigger and get the retail for what it is and have that retail pride that Mm -hmm. often we talk about. But it doesn't come so naturally to certain people. You're exactly right. And they will remember those moments where you called that out. That wasn't just a sale. Yeah. That young woman that you sold this kind of first handbag, first dress, whatever this kind of special occasion, she will remember the experience more than the product and how you made her feel. And that is really powerful when you can teach the perception of the sale Mm -hmm. and the, and the longer ripple effect of the sale, not just, Oh, I had a $2,000 sale. That's great lady. But how did the customer feel? Exactly. Those are things that keep all of us motivated. I know. And when they tell me, oh, I had a $3,000 sale, my UPT was three. I'm like, how was the interaction? Who is your client? How did you go across? Where is she going? Those are the things I always like ask and look for. So they know that's top priority. I'm here to build a connection. And it's, it's fulfilling. It's very fulfilling to me what I do. 
I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, because Zadig and Voltaire is a customer of KWI, mm -hmm. and KWI is a sponsor of the Retail in America Tour. And so I wanted to ask, are there particular tools that you use within the KWI infrastructure to help drive your business? Yeah, absolutely. Like the clientele um, aspect of KWI. Of course, the POS is so easy to manage, which makes our life much easier. Yes. And it's mobile. And you use that at Intermix. <laughs> yes. So when I got it, I was really familiar with. But, you know, uh, the back of house office, like it's so easy for a, a GM like me that's still trying to learn the groove of things. KWI makes it really easy for me to understand and access the reports in a very human way of doing things. It's not too complicated. I'm not here with a million spreadsheet. It's one click. There's stuff that I need right there. Keep it simple. Keep it so simple. You can get back on the floor yeah. and have those moments. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> <laughs> what do you tell your friends and family about your career? So you were going to study social services. You had this mission. You came to the U.S. eight years ago. And what do you tell your, your family? So I don't think they really understand what I do. <laughs> but they can see how happy and fulfilled I am. I was raised by my grandparents. And they never told me what to be when I grow up. But now they're so happy. And they have no idea what I do for a living. <laughs> no idea. And um, I often try to describe. And the questions are, what but what does your day-to-day -day look like? You create schedule? I'm like, that's not even the surface of it. <laughs> but uh, they're happy for me. They understand my passion. And I often say I'm so proud. Yeah. But even when I try to explain what I do, they will never get it wrong. <laughs> they're never. One day I'm the plumber. One day I'm changing the light bulbs. The other day I'm proposing something to executive team. I'm having tough conversations about behavior. Or some days I'm just telling someone, hey, you're not you know, dress coding them. Mm -hmm. So I can't tell someone what I do because that it's like a way deeper conversation that mm -hmm. can last hours. But I can show how passionate and happy I am to do. And they can go by that. Yeah. They're also yeah. proud of me. Yeah. And that's what they see. They yeah. see and feel that. Yes. In you. They know I'm happy working. I know that's all I do, but they know it fulfills me in so many ways. And that's the most important thing to yeah. them. Exactly. Yeah. It is funny when you think, how do you describe what all of us do running stores? Because every day is different. Every day and is different. And I say it in, in retail pride. It's one of the reasons we actually love it. Yeah. That you don't know what you're going to walk into. Exactly. It's, why, it's a top 10 reason for me why we love working in retail. It's never a dull moment. Never. 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 And when it is, you're just waiting. For and the you next have thing. a quiet moment and you're like, what, what's going to happen? And then as soon as a happy room, like, that's where I'm here for. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. This is what I'm talking <laughs> about. Let's uh, talk a little bit about retail pride. So the three pillars of empathy, curiosity, and focus. I'm getting a sense already of where you lean in, but tell us how you use those pillars as part of your success. So empathy it's uh, my superpower, usually say. I've been in the shoes of the client. I've been in the shoes of the people that report to me. And I'm looking forward to be the shoes of the people that I report to. So just put myself in their shoes every conversation. I don't believe on the... I had a manager I used this term that I don't like. It's like snatch them from the floor when they're not doing something good. I don't... Coach in the moment, it, it, it has to happen sometimes, but I do have a 
rather have a more intimate touch base or like a connection. Hey, walk me through why you did that and what the reason behind it. Because sometimes I often say like bad behaviors is the lack of support or the lack of you're doing a good job. You don't know where that person came from. Maybe she came from a very toxic environment that she had to be so aggressive when it goes to sell. So let's go get a coffee and talk about it and put yourself in their shoes, what they did before, where they come in from culturally. Mm-hmm. So I always, 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 what a sense of kindness put myself in other people's shoes. And curiosity, I've always been a curious human being since little. <laughs> I always ask so many questions. I'm in everyone's business. Like I told you before, I called my peers in New York and uh, Aventura. I remember when we first opened Copley, and it was during holiday season, and foot traffic was awesome. But I couldn't keep product, and replenish wasn't coming quick enough. So I'm like, who has the most successful high foot traffic store. So I call her. I'm like, what do you do? And she told me exactly what she did. And I did it. And it worked. And it worked. <laughs> so curiosity goes a long way. I'm like, I don't have to come up with something. It's already done. I'm in an industry that's been here forever. So people already done what I'm struggling with. So yeah. just ask around. Yeah. And you get your answers. And you adapt it to your business, of course. And I think that's one of the things, too, my team really likes about me. Because if I don't know something, I'm like, I have no idea. But I know someone that might know. And I'll get the answer. And focus, definitely. An opportunity for me. (laughs) (laughs) I do get distracted. And I tend to, you know, procrastinate stuff that I don't really want to do. I like to interact with my team and my clients. So when I go to the store, I do that. And then I ended up going home and doing all my reporting and stuff at home. So something I'm trying to balance, take mm-hmm. time to do my office stuff mm-hmm. and take time to do everything else that comes my way, which we never know what it is in this industry. Agreed. And when you have those big roles of those people you aspire to be, you'll have others around you that can fill in some of the things that you're not always successful at i've referenced often i don't always love the back of house and ops and inventory management you know i'm very much a front of house leader (laughs) so i always said i i couldn't be a successful head of stores if i didn't have like a right hand head of store ops and i've been really lucky to have these incredible operations leaders that can handle the things i don't love and an hr partner because if you have those things aligned then you will win you can really utilize your own strengths and others can handle some things that are unique to them yeah absolutely. and, and th- that's why i've had success and their passion. passion yeah they're passionate about i had the perception that a gm needed to know everything until i became one and i'm like no idea <laughs> and to your point like my assistant manager she's amazing because she her strength is everything I lack. Like, she's focused. She has her to-do list. By the end of the day, it's all checked. Mine, top through checked. <laughs> and she's good at not forgetting little logistic stuff, which, um, to your point, I'm front of house. I would never forget anything, an interaction with a client from my associates, a coaching moment, anything. And she has that strength, too. She's very front of house, but she has the back of house strength, and she loves it. I personally am like, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What a nice compliment yes. when, when you have that. It's led to your success. Absolutely. Because when I first started as a D, she was a sales associate. And after my first interaction with her with a client, I'm like, I want you to be my partner forever. Mm-hmm. And we grew together. We learned the business together. We failed together. We won together. And I'm her 
biggest cheerleader. Mm -hmm. I'm here for her success and her development means a lot to me. We're growing mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. As we wrap this up, what advice would you give other young people that are thinking about or dreaming about working for a brand like Zadig or any others in a multi-store role like yours? What advice would you give them? There's a part in your book that you said, be a leader without having the leader in your job description or in your title. Yeah. That's how I got so fast to where I am. Take the opportunities, do it all. Like as a sales associate, I was visual merchandising uh, specialist. I did interviews, I did onboarding, I facilitated trainings. I did everything on such a small role because I want it all. So be present, take opportunities and explore. There's so much in retail. I had no idea I wanted to be a GM. Thought I would be a vision merchandiser at some point. So take the opportunities and don't work for the job you have, work for the job you want. Mm. And I think- Such good advice. I think that's, and buckle up because it will be a quiet <laughs> of a ride. <laughs> it was such a pleasure to meet you. You have such an incredible future ahead of oh, you can tell that your, means a your, lot. <laughs> your joy and your light and what you're bringing to this entire city and your company and the industry i can't wait to watch it's going to be you. it's going to be an amazing journey ahead that means a lot coming from you ron thank, thank you. you thank, thank you, you lady appreciate it thank you lady for being on the show today and to everyone for listening you can pay your retail pride forward and subscribe review and then share this podcast with everyone you know you can also go to retailpride.com and follow me on Instagram at retailpride to see all the details about the Retail in America tour, other media links, and you can contact me directly to nominate a retail hero for this podcast, host a retail networking event in your city, or just say hello. Keep your retail pride strong, and I will see you on the road.